Am I? Am I now? Good. Stay standing for a minute. So grateful that we serve a God that who even says, I know the frailty of man and woman, and yet I am strong in their weakness. So I just want us to ask, ask us to do something here for a minute. As the uh, worship team is here, as we recognize God is here, and uh, Josh is uh, calling us to acknowledge that, that we serve a mighty God. And this morning, if you have a need, I'm just going to ask us to raise our hand. We're not going to necessarily say what it is, but just to acknowledge, God, I have a need. Whether it's healing, raise your hand. I have a need for healing in my body, Lord. I have a need for deliverance from an addiction, Lord. I have a need for strength where I'm weak, Father. I have a need for my marriage, for my relationship. Father, I need you above all else. Only you can meet my need and deliver me from all that has beset me. Father, I have a need in my finances to provide. Father, I have a need in my soul where I'm empty, where I've neglected you, Lord. And now, Father, I turn my face to you to worship you, to honor you, to seek you, Father, with all my heart. Thank you, Father, that you are the need meter. And Lord, we need you more. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now I'm going to, uh, you know, if you raised your hand, and even if you didn't, as we're praying over the next several weeks as a group, um, we need to expect, have an expectancy that God is going to meet us. God is going to hear our prayers. That's what the Bible says. Amen. If not, we're just praying to the wind. We don't want to do that. What a waste of time that is. But thank you, worship team. Josh, thank you. Hey, we got a, you know, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And I'm always praying for more people on the worship team, more instruments. We have a trumpet now. We have a drummer that we went without. I'm praying for a violinist, which I know is coming. And uh, anybody that has a talent that God's given them, it might be your voice, is your instrument. You know, Josh needs help up here. He can't lead us all the time all by himself. I know he has Carla and Joni and different ones that help him, but... Um, if you have a, feel like you've been given a gift and a talent in the Lord, let Josh know, because we're always looking for people to build that. Thank you, Josh. I know that was a little hard, losing his voice. <clears throat> that kind of reminded me. Mine's getting a little raspy, too. I apologize. But um, if you've ever been to a wrestling tournament, how about a kid's wrestling tournament? Anybody? Oh, it's loud and crazy, Jim. Noble and his son and others were coaches for a while, but when Jason was about, oh, six or seven, he was wrestling. Some of you might know uh, Tom and Verna Elwright, and uh, their boys, same age as Jason, they're wrestling together. When you're there, it's so loud, but when your kid's wrestling, if you can find room, you get up on the rail and yell even louder because they're, like, down in the pit. But, of course, they can't hear you no matter how loud you're screaming. But I was there sitting next to Verna Elwright, screaming and yelling, and uh, she had laryngitis, so she leaned over and, in my ear, and she said, when Tommy gets ready to wrestle, could you yell for him too? <laughs> I said, okay, I'll do it, so I got down there and did it, but uh, <laughs> sometimes we need somebody to help sit beside us, stand beside us, and yell for us, right? So we need to be those people, and Josh could use that now too. I want to welcome you if you're visiting today, if it's your first time visitor. I know we had a couple of uh, people come in. We're glad you're here. Pray that you'll find the Lord here. 
We're all about Jesus and serving him and believe that he is the way maker. Amen. If he isn't, then we've kind of all become lost. We're going to take up our offering and our prayer request in a minute and uh, encourage you to put a prayer request in if you have one. Those will be prayed for several times a week. Um, before I go too much further, I want to remind Lady in the Word. If you want to go online and Google this lady, Bianca Juarez Oltoff, she's pretty good. You'd like it. So that's we have a sign-up at the First Arch, I think, just so we can get a number. that You don't have to buy any material or anything this time, but just sign up so we'll know how many we're going to have. And along with that, that's going to be on Wednesday nights. That, that one will start the 16th, but we also have young families that uh, Cassandra and James do on Wednesday night. Um, we have Frank and Arlene have a group on Wednesday night, and Tuesday night we're starting back up with Grief Share. I'm looking at Jane and Steve. He's not here today, but uh, they'll start that on Tuesday the 15th. That's a great group. If you've lost someone, just struggling with moving through that process, whether it was, you know, a week ago or 20 years ago, it's a good program. So I encourage you to uh, get involved in that, too. So we're getting ready to start the Daniel Fest, right? Who whistled? Is somebody happy? Yeah. We should be, right? That should be our attitude. Yes, Daniel Fest. I know sometimes it's a little uh, overwhelming, but I just want to encourage everybody to try to participate on some level. We're going to meet here at the church every night from 6 to 7, one hour, some time of, uh, time of worship and prayer, sharing if the Lord gives you a word or something's going on. Uh, we encourage you to be there, except for Wednesday night, because we have two groups Wednesday morning that meet. at The men meet at 6, and then there's an open prayer group at 10 a.m. that you could go to. So I encourage you to be a part of it. Oh, I thought somebody was asking me something. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was thinking about this just very quickly here, that when we do pray, which is part of the Daniel fast, a big part of it, three times a day, in like a 15-minute segment where you spend a few minutes worshiping and praying. And uh, we need to pray expecting, believing. The word says to pray believing you have those things which you ask and you will. And as I said earlier, we have not because we ask not. There should be an expectancy, not a wish or a hope. It's not like a make-a-wish foundation where you put your request and you hope you're the one that gets picked, Right? <laughs> No, when you put your request in, God is reading them all, every one of them. He's reading our hearts and minds, and he is there, and he is able. We might think it's too big for him to do, but it's not. God can do anything to those who believe. Amen. <laughs> I know it can be hard sometimes to develop your prayer life, but the disciples noticed something different in Jesus. When he would go away and be with the Father alone and come back, he would do miracles, go again, come do miracles, and they finally asked him, Lord, been something to pray. They could have asked him anything. Teach us how to raise the dead. That would have been something interesting, wouldn't it? Teach us how to walk on water. They could have asked so many things, and yet I think they recognized where the power was was in prayer and being with God and letting him uh, hear your request and letting him speak back to us. So I want to encourage us to come uh, starting tonight right? Tonight at six o'clock. And uh, there's recipes, different information out there on the Daniel Fast. You don't have to do the Daniel Fast. You can do something different if you want. We're not going to be legalistic about it. The main thing is to spend your time when you're not eating that meal 
or that food is to be in prayer and worship in 21 days. It's going to be good, right? I'm all excited about it. I'm getting excited. I was kind of grumpy at first, I admit it. Yeah, I was kind of like, already? But <laughs> now I've, I've worked myself up to where, yes, I'm actually looking forward to it. And I hope we all can get to that place and have that same heart that this is a good thing that God would even call us to this time and be available to us. You know, when you fast, it ups your game. You know, we hear about people, this is the time of year everybody's going to the gym or thinking about it or have already decided they're not going to probably, but kind of working out to keep in shape. But then you always have those people that go the next level and get really in shape and really dedicated. And we notice because we can see the change in them. And that's kind of how fasting is in the kingdom. When we decide to take on a fast, I think we are going to the next level that we are going to press in in a greater way with God, that we want to know him greater. And God recognize that, recognizes that. He sees us. When we do it as individuals, it's amazing. When we do it as a group, wow, really amazing because God loves unity. Come on, guys, let's go ahead and take up the offering. Father, we're so grateful for your provision in our lives. As we even prayed and asked earlier and recognized that you meet every need. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, Lord. And Father, our heart is to, to know you more. To be more like you. Father, we ask that you would transform us, especially during these next 21 days. To be more like you, to have your heart, to see deeper into the kingdom and the things you want to do in our lives and in this town and in this nation, Lord. Thank you so much, Father, for the honor and the privilege and the opportunity to meet together and pray to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the Light at Mission Viejo. If you are new to our church, please visit our Welcome Center, where you will receive a gift bag and a mug. The Daniel Fast. The Daniel Fast begins today and will continue for three weeks until January the 26th. The Daniel Fast is a, is a diet full of fruits and veggies and anything with a seed or seeds themselves. If you need help, please pick up copies of recipes you can make in the foyer. Fasting is intended to deprive your body of fleshly desires and fill that void with the Holy Spirit. It is intended to draw you closer to God and further from the desires of the world. And as Isaiah puts it, it also breaks bonds of wickedness. During this fast, we will have prayer time here at the church from 6 to 7 p.m. every evening except for Wednesdays. The Book of Ruth. Ladies, we will be having a special women's Bible study on the Book of Ruth. This study will begin Wednesday, January the 16th at 6.30 p.m. All ladies, please sign up in the foyer. Walk the journey of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz and discover the devoted love of God and His transformative power in our lives. Feeding the Homeless We will be feeding the homeless January the 19th. If you are interested in this ministry, please come and join us. We will prepare the food at 9 a.m. here at the church Saturday morning 
and then we will serve at 12 p.m. at Pete's Place. Grief Share. We will begin another 13-week cycle on grief. This class begins January the 29th on Tuesdays from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Dealing with grief can be hard on your own. This class is intended to give support in helping with the dealing with the loss of a loved one. If you have any questions, please visit griefshare.org or leave a message for Steve and Jane White in the office. Thank you for joining us at the Light at Mission Diego. We hope you enjoy the service. Good morning. Happy New Year. Amen. Happy New Year. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a good year so far. We had men's breakfast yesterday. Uh, we had a great time together. I had a great time with them anyway. But um, this morning, um, I talked to Erica. She was coming out of the uh, donut shop this morning. Sales are down. Morning, But you know, sales are down. <laughs> no one went to go get their coffee and donut this morning. But, you know, we're, we're in a time of celebration. We are in a time of fasting. We're in a time of renewal, of cleansing. I want to thank God this morning for our pastor. He has had a heart to get closer to God, for, for us as a body to get closer to God. So I, I think it's already on the website, right, Pastor? Is it on the website? The prayer list is on the website. It'll be on the website this week. Anyways, we have a, a sheet that we have. We want to pass out. We want you to look at it. We have some desires. Um, real quick, I'm just going to over, go over some of the few things that were put on there. Number one, uh, we want to make sure and lift up personal prayer, whatever that may be, families, salvation, healing, deliverance. Um, for those who are broken and in bondage, um, prayer for a church. Prayer for the church, not just our church, but prayer for the church. And then number three, prayer for our city, state, and nation. And this morning, um, as I come up, I just want to go before the Lord. Uh, at the city, I'm, I'm in the process of setting up an EOC right now. We're setting it up at Midtown. We have a Midtown campus. If you don't know where that is, that's the old College of Santa Fe. Well, the EOC is an emergency operations center. And we're setting up a big unit over there in case there's ever any kind of emergency. Everyone would be able to go in there or call in there. And we have police officers there. We have everybody ready to respond there. But isn't our church kind of like an EOC center spiritually? Where when tragedy strikes, when people need prayer, when people need God, that this would be a place that they could come in. And we would be able to, to just work together to pray with them and lead them in prayer and begin to lay hands on them and see the miracles of God coming forward. So as we're praying uh, this month, uh, this morning, I chose to pray for our church. Uh, next week it'll be someone else, but this morning I chose to pray for our church because I believe that God wants to grow our church. I don't think God's interested in numbers. God's interested in souls. And I want this to be a place, and I, I know God desires this to be a place where we can share with one another that we would be willing to operate in his spirit, that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover, that we would lay hands on those that are oppressed and they would recover, that we would lay hands on the blind and they would see. Amen? I believe that's what God wants for us. God wants to grow our ministries. Right now I was looking at the church bulletin. We have, we have quite a few ministries, but we're lacking. There's always ministries that we're lacking on, and we need, we need ministries to be birthed. We need someone that has a desire that maybe God is speaking to you and speaking to your heart, to start a ministry or to start something. Maybe this is that time that God is going to empower you and give you direction and give you uh, the, 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 man, the spirit 
to just guide and lead you because we want you to really think about what can you do, what, how can God use you? Are you going to make yourself available to God? When we make ourselves available to God, great things begin to happen. God's not looking to see how smart we are, how talented we are, or how many degrees we have. He's looking to see if we're available to be used by him. And I think this morning, as a church, we need to be available to God. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before your presence, Lord, and I thank you this morning, Lord. Your word is said that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, for the next 21 days, Lord, we're going to humble ourselves and we're going to pray, Lord. This morning, I lift up our church, dear God, Lord, every ministry in this church, dear God. Lord, that you would begin to expand every ministry, Lord. That you would take every ministry into new waters, Lord, into new territory. That, God, that your spirit would begin to flow, Lord. That there would be signs, wonders, and miracles, Lord. That there would be an awakening in this church, dear God, Lord. That every ministry, Lord, would have a revival, Lord. A, a refreshing come upon them, Lord. I just thank you in this morning, Lord, for your spirit, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I pray, the Lord, as we go forward, dear God, throughout this fast, that your spirit, Lord, would just begin, Lord, to give us a new vision, Lord, not only for this church, dear God, but more importantly for our lives, dear God, Lord, that we would see that you are and will always be the guiding force behind what we do, Lord, who we are. Lord, your word says, dear God, that I can do all things, not because of who I am, but through you. And Lord, this morning, Lord, we just pray that your spirit would come upon and lead and guide us, Lord, that you would direct us, dear God. I lift up our pastors, dear God, Nina and Ron. I just pray, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, would guide them, Lord, and lead them, Lord, that you give them a fresh anointing, a fresh desire, Lord, a new vision, Lord, for this church, dear God, that we could go into this new year, dear God, not stagnant, but, Lord, that we would go into this new year reaching the lost, Lord, bringing in those that are hurting, Lord. Lord, that there would be, that this would really be an emergency operation center for your word, for your spirit, Lord, for your people, dear God, that are hurting in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to lift up our, I want to lift up our pastor. He has a great heart. We love him. He's going to come up and give us a word this morning. Don't you love your pastor? I love my pastor. <laughs> Good morning. I, you know, Nina didn't seem to be all that excited about the uh, Daniel fast. <clears throat> I, one of the reasons is she said that she spends most of her time cooking and preparing. But I just said, you know, this time I didn't want to be real legalistic about it. And uh, we're, we're doing what the church is doing, inviting the church to do what we call the Daniel fast. And uh, I'll talk about that, you know, in detail. But there are a number of, of different types of fasts that the Bible talks about. One is a, just a full-blown fast, and that's what we see Jesus, and uh, we see Jesus did 40 days, and Moses and Elijah, they did 40-day fast where they did nothing but water. They didn't eat any food at all. Daniel fast is a little bit different. Uh, you can eat on the Daniel fast, and honestly, you can eat as much of this type of food as you want, so you don't really go hungry, but it's the kind of food that you're eating. Uh, you don't eat any meat, any sugar, or any carbs, well, what you can have is, you know, fruit and vegetables and nuts and grains. And um, that comes from the book of Daniel. When Daniel was uh, taken, you remember, those of you that don't know or don't know this, um, the children of Israel had been taken into captivity. They'd been taken into slavery um, by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And uh, in that process of taking the uh, children of Israel into slavery, he handpicked 
uh, from every culture that he brought into Babylon, uh, you know, skilled men, handsome men, smart men, and from the Jewish nation, from Israel, they uh, brought in several men. Daniel happened to be one of those men. And in Daniel chapter 1, it talks about how the king wanted to, uh, he's really trying to rechange these men. He wants to, they're in a different culture, totally different from, you know, how they were raised in Israel. The food that they were eating was going to be different. Uh, their lifestyle was going to be different. He was going to educate them in the, in the ways of the Chaldeans. And, uh, but the food that was set before Daniel, Daniel just said, look, th this is not the kind of food that we can eat. And so he told um, this administrator of giving the food, he just said, we can't eat this. And, you know, this is what we would like to eat. And the administrator working for the king said, look, you know, I'm in danger of my life, losing my life if I change this meal because he wants you to drink wine and he wants you to have meat. And, you know, I mean, you know, most of us going to the king's table like, you know, voila, yeah, bring it, king. And, uh, but Daniel was a different kind of person. He had a different spirit. He just said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to violate God's law. We're not going to violate what we know to be right. And so... Uh, he convinced um, the caretaker to allow them to just eat the meats, or excuse me, the uh, grains and the fruits and the vegetables and, um, and just drink water. And uh, he said, Daniel said, I want you to just test us. Test us for 10 days. And uh, if we, you know, aren't better after 10 days, then we'll renegotiate. But after 10 days, the, uh, the caretaker noticed that you know, the, the men with Daniel, the ones that were eating that, that food, were their, their countenance were, were different. Uh, they seemed to be brighter and lighter and smarter. And, you know, they just like they were glowing. And so they continued on with this, what we call the Daniel fast. And as a result of the Daniel fast in the book of Daniel, the, in the ne very next chapter, and I don't think it's a uh, coincidence, but in the very next cha uh, chapter, the king has a dream. And, I mean, it's a dream that's troubling him. I mean, it's just like blowing his mind. And uh, he wants to know what the interpretation of this dream is. And so, first of all, he begins with all of the astrologers and all of the, those that are wizards them first, in sorcery and witchcraft and, you know, all of the cultic stuff. And he goes to them first and he says, I had a dream and I want you to tell me the interpretation of the dream, but... Here's one little caveat, one little condition. I want you to tell me what the dream means, but I am not going to tell you what dream I had. You have to just tell me the dream and tell me what the dream means. And, you know, of course, it's blowing their minds. They're like, well, what are you, crazy? Nobody would ask such a thing. Nobody would even dare to ask a, a request like this. You tell us the dream, we'll tell you the interpretation. And the king says, no way. He says, that way you could just make up something, and I won't know if you're really telling me the truth unless you tell me what I dreamed and then tell me the interpretation of the dream. And, uh, and the king said, and by the way, if you don't do this, I'm going to have you all put to death. Thank you, king. And so, you know, they're, they're giving up. They're giving up, and the deadline has, is rapidly approaching. He gave them a deadline. He said, if you don't have it by such and such time, it's going to be your head on the chopping block. You know, and so somehow the word got back to Daniel, and Daniel began to pray, and um, 
he told the, the, uh, the officer in charge, he said, tell the king to just hold off. He said, I believe that God is going to reveal the dream and the interpretation. And Daniel and his men got together and they began to pray. And remember, this is after the time of fasting that they had done. Very next chapter, and uh, God reveals the dream. God reveals the dream to Daniel, not only exactly, I mean word for word, line upon line, exact dream, and then the interpretation of the dream. And so Daniel goes and tells the king what the dream was, what the dream means, and immediately, immediately, this is the hand of God. And this, this is that supernatural move of God, guys, that we need to see. This isn't just a story in the Old Testament that can, we can read and talk about how good it is today. These are the things that God wants to do today in my life and in your life. Okay? And so Daniel tells the king the dream. The king is just elated because of the dream. And immediately Daniel and his men, who came in as slaves from Israel, are elevated to the top positions in the government of Babylon. Now, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's the kind of God that we need to serve, and that's the kind of miracles we need to see today. Amen? So, I, I, I was thinking about this. Years ago, uh, we had a gentleman, a missionary, that was visiting our church, and he had a... This guy always had some, some wild stories, but I remember, you know, he was, he was smuggling Bibles into Russia, and tracks, and, uh, you know, I mean, it was a, a prison sentence if you got caught, if you got busted doing that. I can't, I, his name slips to me, Jim, you might remember his name, um, but um, I remember one of the stories that he told that uh, he was supposed to make a connection with a gentleman there, and uh, he was bringing in, he had boxes and boxes of tracks, and they had been talking about bringing, because uh, the tracks were just too numerous to bring in. They were going to bring, they wanted to start bringing in the parts for a printing press. And this was all part of this meeting. And they had been talking over the phone. They've never met before. And um, so they had set up a place in um, a plaza that they were going to meet. And, um, you know, they, they had, you know, what they would be wearing. And, you know, I can't remember the details of that. But before this guy left the States, he was getting ready to get on the plane, and uh, they were praying for him at the church. And one lady came up, and she said, you know, I, I had a dream last night. I, had, I don't know if this means anything to you at all. But she said, I saw a kite flying with two tails, a kite flying with two tails. And he said, no, it doesn't mean anything to me at all, nothing at all. And so he uh, gets on the flight, gets over there, gets his boxes of goods, got, he's got the shipment ready, ready to meet the guy in the plaza. There were some delays at the airport, extensive delays, and he was about two or three hours late. Well, when he got to the plaza, the guy that he was supposed to meet was not there, the guy that was wearing the kind of clothes that they had discussed, and, you know, he was just not there at all. He didn't have a you know, he had a name, but he didn't have a telephone number, didn't have an address where the man lived. That was all kind of secret, and nobody wanted to give that information out, afraid of being arrested and thrown, thrown in jail. So there he is. He's in Russia on a plaza. He knows no one, has no phone number, has no address, has no contact, and he's walking around. He's walking around town, and, 
You know, it's just like, God, what do I do? I don't know what to do. God, here I am. I mean, I've traveled all this distance, and I don't know what to do. I've got these boxes of Bibles and tracts that I want to give out. I don't know how to get in contact with this man. And he's just walking and praying and walking and flying kites. And one of the little girls had a kite that had two tails. And he goes up and asks her, says, what's your dad's name? And she told him. She said, where do you live? And she pointed out her house. And he walks up and knocks on the door, and that was his contact. And he says to the guy, how did you know to fly a kite with two tails? And he responds, he responds and says, how did you know to fly a kite with two tails? You know, how did you know, how did you know to look for a kite with two tails? And how did you know to fly a kite with two tails? God, I mean, God just kind of showed up sovereignly through this lady's dream, directing him to this house, to this man, and, you know, allowing God to con- continue this ministry, the passing out of tracks. You know, God still moves in those kind of ways today. And I, I believe that that's what God wants to do. And I believe that part of our Daniel fast, part of this fasting, regardless of what kind of fast you choose to do. By the way, at the end of the service, you know, for those of you that want to, that are going to participate in the fast, we want fast, we want to anoint you. And uh, we'll anoint you with oil according to what the Word of God says. But I'm going to try to tie all of this together for us, and I'm going to move through this. Some of it, you know, we, it seems like we were not too long ago that we were doing this fast. I, I say last year, about a year ago, but actually started t- teaching on it about a year ago this time. Taught on it for about, I think, about four weeks on, on fasting. And so that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you some, some of that, you know, be a refresher for you. Um, so why should we fast? The Bible says that it's the duty of every Christian. There's three things that God tells us to do, and I'm gonna, I'll read, read them to you from the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about when you, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, okay? It's not a suggestion. It's like Jesus understands that these are the things that we should do. We should give up our time, our talent, and our treasure, our money to God. We should pray, and we should fast. And I'm going to tell you, I think it's the three areas that Christians are probably the most weak in. We talk about it a lot, but we, when it comes down to doing it, we actually fail to do it. I mean, when we talk about giving, you know, if you look at your wallet and, you know, you, uh, you, know, you talk about it, the Bible says that we should give 10%. I, you know, I, I challenge you to look at your, your checkbook, look at your wallet and see, look at your records over the last year, see how much money you spent on yourself. How much you spend on your hobbies? How much you spend on doing things you want? And compare it with the amount of money that God says that we should give him, okay? I'm not trying to make this heavy. I'm just telling you this is what God expects. And if you want to see God, people say, no, I don't see God moving anymore. Well, one of the reasons that we don't see God moving anymore is because we're not doing what God told us to do. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. (laughs) All right. So he says here, let me move through this quickly, all right? He says that when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites give. Don't blow the trumpets in the, in the synagogues and in the streets and call attention to these acts of charity. Give your gifts in private, and your Father will see everything, and he will reward you. And then he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, that they have their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your heavenly Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what you're doing in secret, will reward you openly. And he says that when you fast, all right? So when you, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast, these are things that Jesus expects us to do. And we're not doing this. This is not a weight loss program, okay? Well, I mean, if you want to lose weight, join Jenny Craig. But, I mean, you will lose weight as a result of fasting. I mean, I, I assure you that if you follow these guidelines, you will lose weight. You, you will detox your body. I mean, there's, these are side benefits. But what we're trying to do, you're not, we're not trying to twist God's arm or try to make God do something that he doesn't want to do. We're just trying to be obedient. We're saying, God, we are serious. We want to move from where we are. We're tired of being stuck. We're tired of being in the same old place. Tired of our finances being in the same place. Our, 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 our marriages need to grow, and we need to you know, develop greater relationships in the body of Christ. Lord, we're concerned about our children, our teenagers. You know, they're, they're going ways that are not pleasing to us, and we can see things. God, we're asking you that you would move on behalf and hear our cry. The, God, the Bible says that God's ear, he says, his eyes are open to and fro, looking across the whole face of the earth, showing himself strong to those whose hearts are strong on his behalf. He says that the ear of the Lord is open, and he's attentive. He's listening to the cries of those that are afflicted and those that are, that are needy. That's what we're doing during this uh, fasting time. He says, so when you fast, he says, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces, show, showing others that they are fasting. And truly, I tell you, they will receive their full reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. That's what we're going to do later on. We'll anoint you with oil. He says, and your father who sees what is done in secretly or done in secret will reward you. And so let me just give you an old or New Testament example, and then I'm going to jump to the Old Testament and just kind of share a story from there as well. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, it's the sermon on, or, or sorry, I'm sorry, that's not where we are. We are in Matthew 17 first. He says to, um, this is the story, and I'm going to read two accounts of this, one from Matthew's gospel and uh, one, from, uh, one from Mark. Um, the disciples had been with Jesus, and they had come upon a, a, a man whose son was demon-possessed, and um, they tried to cast out the demon, and they failed. And then we pick up in Matthew 17, uh, this man, after the disciples had tried it, this man says to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me, for my son is an epileptic he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could, excuse me, they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation. I want to just stop right there. Might, might sound hard, but that, this is what he's saying to the disciples. O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. And so when uh, he, and this is Mark's account, the same story, says that when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. 
by prayer and fasting. This is how you're going to get these strongholds out. He goes on to talk about, uh, right there in Mark, the next couple of verses talks about moving mountains. He says that, you know, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, some of you have, well, not physical mountains, but you've got mountains. You've got mountains of burdens in your life. You've got mountains of problems in your life. You've got mountains of struggles in your life. And it's been that way forever. You know, it's just like every year, you know, you make a New Year's resolution. It's like you want to try to get past this, but you can't seem to get past it. And the only way you're going to get past it is through prayer and fasting. But let me go back and just touch on the statement that Jesus made to the disciples uh, that kind of connects with, you know, why they couldn't cast the demons out. He said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Faithless, it means that they have withdrawn from God. They, they're not, their walk with God is not as close as it used to be. And some of you can identify with this. You guys remember, and I remember we, uh, we were asking, I was going to ask for some testimonies about last time's fasting the, when we did it about a year ago. Leonard had a great testimony. He was talking about how just, you know, um, just as soon as he started fasting, how the Lord began to soften his heart and he became, his heart became tender again, and he began, you know, be, as he began to look at his own life and you know, sin in his own life, that he just began to weep and, and begin to cry. And I, I can remember days like that in my life too. But I tell you what, for some of us, it's been a long, long time ago that our heart has been that touched and that tender where we begin to weep over our own condition. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, you're faithless. You, you have withdrawn from God. You started out strong in this race. You started out, you know, on fire and full of passion. But, you know, somehow the world, he says, faithless and perverse. Faithless means that you've withdrawn from God. And perverse means that you've become more attached to the world. You've, you've, you're withdrawing from God and you're becoming more and more worldly. And that's why Jesus said you can't cast this demon out. And that's what fasting is about. We're going to try to reconnect with God and disconnect with the world. And, and when we're doing that, our bodies are saying, you know, let's just, you know, let's eat all we want, eat what you want, eat when you want, the kind of food that you want, you know. Uh, and, and, and God's saying, you, you're going to cut that off. We're going, to, we're going to say no to the things that our bodies are craving for, and that's called a sacrifice. We're going to be sacrificing what we normally would do. You can withdraw from social media, things that you used to watch on TV, and that time would be spent in prayer. So three times a day, we're asking you to, morning, noon, and night. That's what David did. It's what Daniel did um, in the book of Daniel. It's what caused him to be thrown into the lion's den, by the way. He was thrown into the lion's den because he had gone up and, and prayed like he had always done before, three times a day, morning, noon, and night, he would pray to God. And uh, when, we, when we pray, we want to pray for our families. And guys, I want you to, I mean, if you would, even right now while I'm talking, I want you to just get the, the name of one person. I want you to pray for 21 days. I want you to think about the one person in your life it could be in your family, could be a friend, could be somebody at work, but the one person that you want to see saved. And I, I want you to hammer that person in prayer and in fasting and in intercession and supplication before God and ask God to bring salvation to that individual. Would you do that for me? I'm asking you, do it for the kingdom, do it for God. You know, bring that person before God three times a day for 21 days and let's see what God does at the end of 21 days. I believe some people are going to get saved. And so we're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray, you know, we're going to, we're going to pray three times a day. We're going to uh, study God's Word.
for just, if you, if you just take, like, for example, here's an example. Five minutes in the morning of, of reading God's word. Five minutes in the morning of listening to some worship. Just kind of worshiping God. You know, just, you know, you want to read the word of God. You want to worship God. You want to just get into a quiet place where you're worshiping God. Some of you, you can do this on the way to work. I mean, you can stick in a worship tape. You can stick in a Bible teaching on the way to, way to work or stick in just the Bible itself. And, uh, you know, so you want to worship and you want to pray and you want to study God's word. So, you know, you can do that. All, you can do 15 minutes driving to work, 15 minutes when you first get up in the morning, worshiping God, studying God's word, and praying. Okay? All right. Three or four of you think it's okay. All right. So let me let me just jump to this Old Testament story, and um, you know, well, I've got another New Testament scripture in First John chapter three verse eight. It says, "For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil." For this, this is why this, the Bible says this is why Jesus came, not just to give us salvation, not so that we can go from here to heaven when we die. But he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. We know that he overcame the devil. Uh, and he was crucified. He was uh, nailed to a cross. He died on the cross, taken off the cross, put in a tomb, an empty tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead, conquered death, and, and uh, was victorious over Satan. What Satan had tended for evil, God raised up and just you know, glorified Jesus in front of the whole world. So Jesus overcame the devil, but he says, now I've given you power. He says, I've given you power and I've given you authority over the devil. And so he says that for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And so as we think about that, guys, so, some of you have seen, when you came to Jesus, you saw some incredible victories in your life, just boom, just boom, boom, boom. You saw these amazing victories where, you know, oh, you overcame drugs or alcohol or pornography or sexual sins. You overcame those things. And it was just like, how did this happen? I've been in bondage to this all of my life. And then, but there were some other sins in your life that you didn't quite get the victory over, and maybe you're still struggling with those sins today. And let me tell you why I think that's, a, you know, why, why I believe that's a problem today. Because I believe that our lives very much pattern the children of Israel. God brought them out, an amazing delivery out of Egypt, brought them out with a great victory with, on that Passover day, brought them out and brought them into the promised land. It took him 40 years to get them there. But when he brought them into the promised land, he said, you shall not become friends with the people in that land. You will not be friends with them. You will not worship their gods. You will not do the things that they do culturally because if you do, they will be a thorn in, their si in your side and they will bring you down. And you know what the Bible says? They started out strong just like you and I did in our walk with God. But after they got there for a while, they realized that, you know what, fighting is a little bit harder than what we want to do. And maybe we don't want to fight all the time. Maybe we don't necessarily want to deal with the enemy all the time. You know, after all, they're not that bad. They're kind of nice people. And the next thing you know is that the children of Israel have abandoned their God that brought them out of slavery, and now they have connected with the people of the land. And that broke God's heart. And when they did that, God says, I'm a, you know, you read the first four of the Ten Commandments, they're all about God. I mean, God says, I am a jealous God. 
He said, I'll have no other gods before me. Don't make any idols and worship idols. That's what they were doing. They were making and bowing down to idols. And that's what happened in the book of Daniel. The three Hebrew children, the king made an idol and told the whole world to bow down. They said, you know what? I'm sorry. We like you. We like Babylon. You know, I mean, we, we, like, you know, we like this place. We will honor you. But we will not bow down to that. He said, if you don't bow down to it, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And so they heated it up hotter than it should have been, I think seven times hotter, and uh, threw them in, and they're walking around. They're cruising with someone inside the furnace that looks like they said the Son of God is walking, and they're not being burned, and the fourth man is not being burned, and the king brings them out, and it just, I mean, he just gives them applause before the whole world saying these guys wouldn't bow to the God that I made. And instead of killing them, guess what? Promotion, promotion. I'm like, man, I'm raising them up. Their God's bigger than my God. Let's just give them a promotion. Are you guys with me? All right, come on, come on, come on. Because I'm going to tell you, this is about a two-hour sermon. But if you're with me, I can make it about 30 minutes, okay? All right, so let, let me just kind of jump on to the next point right here. In, um, in the Old Testament, man, there's a great story about Elijah. You guys get excited about reading the Word? Man, I get pumped up. When I read the Word of God, when I, I, I get excited about this stuff, guys, so I'm hoping this will jump off on you. So Old Testament story, Elijah, Elisha. Elijah is a great man of God. He's getting ready to go up in these chariots of fire and the chariots of horsemen of Israel, chariots of fire. There's a movie made about that. And, uh, and so um, when, he, when he goes up, there's his, his, his uh, next in line was Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha's like, you know, he says, I got one request before you go. Before you go up, before they take you away, and he was aware. He wasn't in the darkness about it. He said he knew that the, the horsemen of Israel were coming to take him up. He didn't die. He just, like, was raptured. He just, like, boom, there he goes. All right. And so Elisha said, before you go, I got one request. I want a double portion of your spirit. I want twice of what you got. And uh, Elijah said, well, what you ask is a hard thing, but if you're, if you're close enough to me, if you're walking close enough to me, if you're in my very presence, if you see me leave when I leave, he says, uh, you, it'll happen. You'll get that. And so um, Elisha, you know, he goes up, and uh, Elisha, Elijah goes up. Elisha's got the, the, uh, the new anointing. But now where I pick up is we're at the end of Elisha's life, and he's dying, and it says, uh, this is uh, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 13, and it says that Elisha had been suffering from an illness which, from which he, he died, and Joash, the king of Israel, and keep in mind, you got still, in, the, in those days, it was 10 northern tribes called Israel, two southern tribes called Judah, and uh, it says that uh, um, Joash was the king of Israel who had really abandoned God. But this guy, Joash, did have respect for the man of God. Even though that their ways were, they had abandoned God with all of their idolatrous worship, uh, you know, bonding with the people of the land, giving their sons and their daughters to marry and, and marrying the, you know, the women of the land. Um, and so this, this guy, Joash, did have respect for the prophet. And Joash, the king of Israel, went down to see him from Israel down to Judah 
And he says, my father, my father, he cried, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Now, this is the same thing that Elijah said to, uh, or Elisha said to Elijah. He looked up and he says, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. He recognized it was just like a, a symbol or a sign that you're, he's getting ready to go. He's getting ready to die. And he goes, I was going to bring my bow and arrow today. So, um, Elisha said, go get a bow and some arrows. I was going to bring my bow and arrow today and demonstrate this for you, but I, I'm, I'm, after my last season, I wasn't, I'm second-guessing my accuracy, so I want to keep you safe. Um, but Elisha says, go get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. And he said, take the bow in your hand, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, now what, notice this, Elisha, he, guys are like drawing the bow back, but it says that Elisha put his hands um, on the king's hand, okay? Elisha the prophet, this godly man, this father, spiritual father, puts his hands on the king's hands as he's got the bow drawn back. And he says, open the east window. And east of where they were in east of Israel is Syria, um, and so they were known notorious enemies of Israel. And he says, um, take the bow in your hand, he said to the king. And when he had taken it, Elisha had put his hands on the king's hand. And he says, open the east window. And he said, open it and shoot. And Elisha said, and he shot. And the Lord's arrows, he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrows, arrows of victory over Aram or Syria, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Aramean or the uh, Syrian people at Aphek. And so com notice that. He said, you will completely destroy them, not partially destroy them. I'm going to tell you that that's the connection that I want to make with you this morning, that God wants to completely destroy the works of the devil in your life. He doesn't want to partially destroy the works of the devil. He wants to completely destroy the works of the devil so you can be the man and the woman that God has called you to be. You understand that this sin that you're embracing is a weight around your, uh, a shackle around your, your leg and keeping you from being the man of God or the woman of God that he has called you to be. It's hindering you. And he says, I want you to completely destroy the, the Syrians. And he says, um, he says, and then he told him, he says, I want you to take some arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha said, strike the ground. And he struck it three times. He struck the ground and they stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. And you would have defeated uh, the Syrians or Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will only defeat it three times. And then we read down in just a few verses later, the, you know, Elisha dies and uh, Joash, this king that he had laid hands on, uh, defeated Ben-Hadad, Syria, on three occasions. Just as many times as he struck them, and he'd recovered the Israelite towns that had been captured in previous battles. So God wants you to get back all the ground that you've lost. He wants you to, you know, to recover everything and you know, have, have you completely restored in, in the things that the enemy has taken from you. So let me just go through these three points. And, you, know, you might have gotten something else out of this, this message, but here are three things that I saw in my life or in the scripture here. He said, number one, that we need or there needs to be spiritual fathers in our life. Elisha was a spiritual father to uh, Joash. And he, you know, laid hands on him and tried to encourage him. You need that in your life. You, I mean, you, you were not meant to go through life by yourself. 
You can't do Christianity. You can't do this walk with God alone. You need others to impart and speak into your life. It says that Elisha, again, just kind of recovering that, uh, recouping that verse, said Elisha had been suffering from an illness from which he died. And he says, my father, my father, he says, this is kind of identifying with that spiritual father. We need those spiritual fathers in our life. And then he says to take that bow and put it in his hands. And he laid hands on his hands. And Paul says, talks about this in Timothy to um, one of his spiritual sons. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who may be able to pass them on to others. I'm going to tell you what, I want you to think about this, but Timothy was faithful in that. Paul says, I'm going to give you truth. I'm going to give you the truth that I've received and through the Word of God, and he says, I want you to take that and teach it to someone else so that they can teach it to someone else. That's why I'm standing here today. Somebody was faithful in that call to bring that teaching forward some 2,000 years. And Paul says again to Timothy, he says, Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of the elders laid their hands. Remember uh, Elisha laying hands on the king, his hands on the king's hands. He says, don't forget, don't, don't forget and don't neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And then we see the whole New Testament, the whole just birth of the church and missionary journeys beginning in Acts chapter 13 when Paul and Barnabas were there in Acts chapter 13. The disciples and apostles were praying and the Holy Spirit began to speak and it says that uh, they wanted, God wanted Paul and Barnabas to be sent out and it says after they prayed and fasted, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Notice that connection praying and fasting and sending them out. Second point is that, guys, there can't be any, any compromise in our life. You know, the Bible says in the, in the, you can't serve God and you can't serve Satan at the same time. You can't serve both. And it says that uh, the, the prophet told the, uh, the young king, he said, man, you should have struck the ground, you know, five or six times. You should have, you know, I, I wanted you to absolutely, completely destroy the Syrians. But now you're only going to have three successful batter, uh, uh, battles and victories. So, you, you know, you, I, I think that in the church, you know, we want to try to, like the children of Israel, we want to try to be friends. And we start compromising women with lust can't be as bad as it. Saying things like, well, it's not that bad. You know, surely looking at a woman with lust can't be as bad as adultery. I mean, you know, I didn't really do anything, but look. Now, see, we start compromising what God's word. And then that leads to, you know, just onset pornography in our lives. And, uh, you know, you cannot, you cannot be fr a friend of Satan. He is not your friend. The Bible says he has come to rob and to steal and to kill and destroy. And while he may try to lure you in through something that seems, you know, very, um, you know, just, just not that bad, just not that bad of a sin, he tries to draw you in with that. And we start compromising in our giving. We start compromising in our prayer. And we start compromising in our fasting. And we say, well, it can't be that bad. And we start comparing our lives with other people's lives. And, you know, I mean, usually we'll start with Hitler. And we'll say, well, I'm not as bad as him. You know, six million, he killed six million. I'm not that bad, you know. It, you know, you, you want to compare your life with somebody? Compare your life with Jesus, okay? 
And then we start seeing, well, maybe I don't quite match up. So um, one of the things that I noticed in reading this story, guys, you know, you heard me say this last year. This is really, I mean, I've been a believer for, you know, 40 some odd years. And, um, and I've done some of those hard fasts, you know, with just water. But I've never really done a, a Daniel fast. And up until this last year, you know, uh, of uh, 20, 2018, I didn't really know that much about it. So I, I started looking at every source that I could and still am. I mean, I, I was looking at Jensen Franklin and uh, Chris Hodges and, um, you know, Rick Warren, just anybody, uh, anybody that had any information on it. I'm gathering. I gathered the, theirs and put some of mine with it, and that's how I ended up where I am today. But uh, so one of the things that I noticed that about Elijah, and I, I've got this on the overhead, but um, uh, one of the things that happened is that when Elisha, when he was uh, there and Elijah was taken up to heaven, one of the things that he did is that when he noticed that the old prophet is gone, he has a garment on and he just rips it off. He takes that garment off and he drops it. And then at the same time, the chariots, the Elisha, Elijah is going up in the chariots uh, the, uh, the chariots of Israel, the horsemen in the chariots of Israel, he grabs a hold of the new garment. He grabs a hold of Elijah's garment, and he tugs that garment. And that is his new garment. He's, got, he's taken his old garment off, and it kind of reminds me of the song that we were singing this morning uh, about a garment, and I think it was a heaviness, and putting on something new. That's where we are right now. That's what fasting is going to do. It's going to allow you to take off something old, old bitterness, some old pride, some old waste, some old sin, some old unforgiveness, some old bitterness, some old pride, some old envy, some old pornography, something that's been clinging to you for a long, long time. You're going to take that off, and you're going to put on something new. In fact, the, the Bible says that um, the hour has come has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here, so let us put pride or let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Put aside the deeds of darkness and put on. Put aside, take off, and put on. Let's put on the armor of life. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness and in sexual immorality and debauchery. Uh, in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself. Remember, Elijah put on, Elisha put on that new mantle. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. There was a story about a guy in the, um, um, during the Civil War and he couldn't decide you know, what side he wanted to be on. He couldn't decide if he wanted to be with the North or the South, the Union or the Confederate. So he put on... The, uh, a jacket that he had found of the Confederate, and he put on the pants that he had found of the Union, and he walked out, and he was shot by both sides. You know, I will tell you that you can't compromise. You can't live in this world. You can't walk with God with compromise. You've got to make up your mind. You know, jo Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to follow God. We're going to be obedient to God. We're going to leave this world behind. All right, last, last point here. The prophet said to him, open the, open the east window. And he opened it, and he said, shoot. I'm going to just tell you, not like shoot, you know. Oh, shoot. Uh, not like that. 
man, draw that thing back and shoot. Man, shoot. Aim for something. Hit something. Guys, I'm going to tell you this in, in this Daniel fast. You know, aim for something. Write something down that you want to see God do in your life. Write this thing down. You want to see God move. We've got some prayer points out there, but every one of you have got something that you want to see God do. Write it down. Pray for somebody. Pray for something and cling to that for 21 days. He says, uh, the scripture says, I believe that the window represents opportunity. And I believe that prayer and fasting this 21 days is going to give you opportunity. And you have to seize the moment. The Bible says that be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, opportunity, I mean, it's just incredible. These opportunities we see in the Bible. You know, it was a woman and he ran by the king's door one day. He looks out, and he sees this beautiful woman, and he raises up the golden scepter to her. It was an opportunity. If she would have come by five minutes earlier or five minutes later, maybe the king wouldn't have been there. But that exact moment, it was that exact moment, and he raises up the scepter, and he says, hey, lady, come on in. Come on in. And then Ruth in Boaz's field. Boaz was a rich man. He had a lot of fields. And he looks out over the field one day and he says, hey, who's that back there in the back of the field gleaning? Well, that's Ruth. That's Ruth. She went from being the servant gleaning in the field to marrying Boaz and owning the field. Okay? Right. Man, just seize the moment. Look for these opportunities. You know, I'm telling you, God is moving every day in your life, and sometimes we are so blind to it, we don't even see it. We don't recognize this move of God in our life, and God's like, I'm ready to give you an opportunity. I'm ready to give you an opportunity. The bush is on fire. The bush is on fire. You know, I understand through history that it happened all the time, that, you know, in the desert heat and these bush, the, these type of trees or bushes, you know, they had like a... Uh, um, a, um, like a tar or a sap that once heated to the right you know, temperature would just kind of puff. They just kind of blow up in fire. And it, and it happened a lot. Moses walking by and bushes on fire. He takes the opportunity. Let's go see this thing. Let's go see what this is. What does this mean? What does this mean? He goes to the bush and the bush starts talking. I remember, you know, in the story I was just reading this this morning, David, David was a shepherd. The, the older men were in battle. David was the youngest one. He stayed at home tending the sheep. But this one day his father said, I want you, I need news from the battle. I need news. What's going on out there? I'm going to send you over with some bread and with some cheese, and I, I want you to go see how your brothers are doing. Give this to your brothers and give this to the commander, uh, you know, that's in charge of the supplies. And David shows up, and it, it says that just as David showed up, the giant walked out and began to taunt Israel. Just at that moment, just at that moment, and David walks out, and he's like, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Well, who is this guy that's cursing this army, this army, and cursing the God of heaven? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that has caused this entire army to be afraid and has humiliated them? and is cursing their God, and put fear in them, and has them paralyzed. And David said, you know what? I mean, this is of God. Who is this guy? David said, you know what? I mean, this is my opportunity. This is my window. I can shoot through this window right here, and I can be successful because God is with me. 
I mean, it could have happened five minutes earlier, five minutes later, David might have missed the whole scene. He showed up at, at the right moment, at the right time, and recognized the right opportunity. I heard Joel Osteen talking about, you know, needing a battery for his watch. And he goes into a, a jewelry store and meets the woman of his dreams. He was shopping for a battery. Came out with a wife. <laughs> Seizing the opportunity. I remember the story of a lady that she was a waitress. And, you know, somebody came into the restaurant and uh, wanted to see the dessert menu. And they didn't sell dessert at, at this restaurant. And the owner said to her, he says, I want you to come in an hour early tomorrow morning, and I want you to start making desserts. And her initial thought was, you know, who is this guy telling me to come in? I'm already tired. I'm already exhausted. I've already got more work than I can do right now. And he's telling me to come in an hour early and make pies, make desserts. But you know what? She, she thought about it. She had a second thought, and she said, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So she goes in an hour early. She makes, doesn't have any you know, recipes. She knows a few things. She makes some desserts. Customers started complimenting. That's pretty good. She gets the compliments. It's kind of feeding her. She comes up with some more recipes, some more recipes, and some more recipes. And you know what? People start coming to the restaurant, not because of the food in the restaurant. They're coming because of the dessert in the restaurant. And she decides that she's going to break away from the restaurant, and she's got her own business today. That's all she does is just desserts, making a and I'll wrap The opportunity, I remember just in my own life, and I'll wrap it up with this story right here. As a young man, as a realtor, starting out in the business, you know, um, I didn't have a lot of leads, didn't know a lot of people, but I had to go, for some reason, I had to go down to the county, and I go down to the county, and I walked into the land use administrator's office, and on his desk, he has a plat rolled out that shows uh, 25,000 acres of land, and that's what I specialized in. I was a land specialist. In fact, I was the only guy in Santa Fe for many, many years that just sold land. Everybody else sold commercial properties, residential properties, or, uh, you know, rental-type rental properties. I just sold land. Guy's got a plat on his desk that shows 25,000 acres of land. I just happened to walk in at the moment that he had rolled out. He had hundreds of plats on, his on, his, on the wall. He just happens to have this one rolled out. And I'm, I started asking him questions. And he said, well, you want the name and the telephone number of the people that own this land? And I said, yes, I do. And he gave it to me, and I called them up. There was 25,000 acres that was broken up into about 22 lots. That was all that area of El Dorado, goes from El Dorado all the way to Lamy, and just, you know, two or three miles on both sides of the road. As a result of that, as this one moment, this one moment, God-given moment in my life, I walk in, I call the guy up, I begin to sell the, the, the land. I think there was 22 lots that was divided into 25,000 acres. I sold, in my office sold 19 of those 22 lots, and then I got to resell them, and we're talking about by this time that I'm reselling about $15 million worth of property, 
and uh, we're talking about a 10% commission, and then the people that bought those properties relisted them with me, and then I got to sell them again, and then the people that bought the split-up lots relisted them with me, and I was able to sell them again. I got my real estate license in 1977, and I retired from the real estate business in 1990. I was 13 years in the real estate business, and most of it was because I walked into an office when a guy had a desk full of plats, gave me a telephone number and a lead because there was an opportunity there. I shot through that window. I shot through that window. I'm going to tell you guys that God wants to do the same thing in your life. And I believe, listen, I believe that through this prayer and fasting, if you'll just bear down, God wants to move you to the next level. There's another level for you. Don't get satisfied with where you are. Don't be content with where you are. I'm, I'm not saying don't be content with the things that you have. He's got another level for every one of you in this place today. Can you hear that? Can you receive that? All right. So man, I, I've gone a little longer than I wanted to go, but I want to, um, in Psalm chapter 20, verse 3, it says, May he remember all of your sacrifices. May he answer all of your prayers. I know that some of you are going to bear down in this Daniel fast. You're going to, you want to see God move in such a way. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a relationship issue. You know, maybe you're struggling with some kind of sin in your life. You want to see God break through in your life. The Bible says that don't be like the hypocrites, dude. Don't, you know, let the whole world know that you're fasting. It says he just simply says, get anointed with oil. And let God do the rest. That's what we want to do for you right now. We want to anoint you with oil. And so I'm going to ask all of our leaders to come up. We got oil here. We want to anoint you with oil. We're not going to pray over you a long time. We're just going to, we're going to pray that, that very, the very verse that I pray, prayed or read. He says, may he remember your sacrifices. This is the sacrifice that you're doing. Maybe he, may he remember the prayers that you've prayed, what you're, what you're bearing down. That's what we want to agree with you. We want to agree that, that God would hear your prayers and remember your sacrifice and that he will break through in your life. That's all we want to do with you this morning. So while our worship team, we don't, we, you, you guys, if you guys want to turn on some music back there, uh, you can. Uh, we want you to come up. We're not going to pray a lot. Like I said, we're not praying a long prayer over you. We just want to anoint you that God would get you through this 21 days. So uh, while... Uh, people are getting anointed. You guys just stay there. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to sing a song. And, uh, and I, we, I, you know, if you're, if you're involved in this, you want to be involved in this. And really, like I said, no matter what you, type you want to do, if you want to do the 21 days, the full-blown fast, just a water fast, the Daniel fast, maybe you just want to fast one meal a day. Whatever you decide to do, be committed, stick to it, and see God move on your behalf. Amen? Let's just give God a shout of praise. I tell you what, we serve a great God. Amen? Awesome and mighty is our God.
out loud, make him yell in his name. It's about the authority in his name and the whisper of his voice over your life. It's our response, it's our response, but he's already eradicated fear. It's not that just the darkness trembles. It's that it's so bright, it's, it's, it's intrinsic. And his spirit is alive inside of us, it's alive. So we're not reaching for a light, we're not reaching for a light to be turned on. He's placed the light inside of us. He's eradicated fear, it's over, it's done with. He silenced the voice of the light on the cross. So we're gonna sing it back to him. We're gonna sing it from the bottom up. The bottom up, not from the top down, the bottom up. Our grounding is in this truth. 